What's up, listeners and supporters of the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast? We need some help from you, and it won't take up too much of your time. As we grow, we always want to hear your feedback, so take a minute or two to fill out a short, anonymous survey. The survey link is right in the episode notes for this podcast. It's easy and takes less than five minutes. As always, we thank you for your continued support. podcast episode 192 dexter henry brian fonseca here we are back haven't been here for a while you know we had to take a break it's the end of the summer things are really slow in the world of sports things have been really slow in the world of hip-hop until lately and we'll get to that but a lot has been going on in the news world this will be a less sports focused episode uh, this will be more uh, hip-hop and some other things that we were going to talk about. You know, a lot of other stuff in sports will be coming back. NFL just started. NBA is a couple of weeks away from training camps. Baseball postseason race is heating up. So, you know, we'll have plenty to talk about in the coming weeks. But this episode 192 is a special one. It's always a special one at the start of November because September 8th, which just passed last week, marks the four-year anniversary of this podcast. Yes, unbelievably, we've been doing this for four years. I've survived dealing with Brian for four years, and uh, I don't know how I've done it, but it's been uh, rather interesting. Brian, how have you survived dealing with yourself for four years? Notice I didn't say dealing with me, dealing with yourself for four years. I mean, look, uh, you could survive four years with me, but, you know, some other people, you know what I'm saying? Some other people will be surprised at that. that would be uh, all for fun. Uh, I would say, like, look, there are certain things that you can survive. I didn't survive uh, the job that I just left. I guess we can get into that a little bit because uh, I quit writing at that site last week and my last day was Saturday. So I'm in a much better mood today than I was uh, two days ago or three days ago from when you're hearing this. Well, I mean, I, I can relate to that a little bit. Um, we haven't really talked Both about We've gone through yet. some transition lately. I feel yeah. like we should talk about a transition. Transitioning, uh, left left a place I worked for. I'll hit on that a little bit later in the show because now I actually can talk about weather on the show, which I couldn't do before. So uh, I don't do that weather reporting anymore. Um, and better for it. It's good to leave uh, toxic work culture. It's always good when you're able to do that. But um, mm-hmm. four years of the podcast, we've done now 192 episodes at the end of this episode. Uh, we've done a lot of stuff. We always take time to reflect on this at the top of every September, and it's always good to do because you see, you know, it's good to look back sometimes, see how much you've done, what you've accomplished. It is good to see those things. Um, and we've been able to do that on the show. A lot of great guests. A lot more great guests to come, bigger things to come, more growth to come, putting all that energy and blessings out there. So, man, I'm, I'm just, you know, we're blessed to continue to do this and have a platform uh, that we control and we're able to say what we want to say and nothing is filtered or changed in that way. Um, so I, I'm blessed that, I, that I've had the platform and always been able to do and create the things I needed to do. So I'm grateful for this podcast. Um, and what it's been able to do for me, even as I've worked at other places and done other things. You know, the one thing nobody can stop that I like to say to people is what you do. Nobody can stop your energy of what it is that you want to do and how it is you want to try to do it and getting that message out. And I think that's what this podcast has always been about for me and Brian and what it will continue to be about. We talked about a variety of different things, sports, hip hop, pop culture, politics, different things in the news. You know, we try to keep it 100 with everything that we talk about. And, you know, we're going to continue to do that uh, as we move forward. So, you know, it seems like Brian talks about changes and changes in jobs and different things in the career. And that's always going to happen. That's always going to come about. But, um, you know, I think what's consistent is how you create the content you want to create and be true to yourself because not everybody's going to agree with that. And some environments might be toxic, but uh, you don't have to make what you create toxic. And that's the best thing about doing work for yourself. That's all I really got to say. And doing it with minimal support, not from the audience. Like, you see, mm-hmm. our audience has seen us grow up uh, as a podcast over the last four years, but with minimal support in terms of like 
We don't have a ton of sponsorships. We never have. Um, that's not to say that we wouldn't do it, but we just haven't sort of gone that route, right? We never put our podcast on a network. That's something else that we're obviously open to doing. We just haven't found the right deal, even though, you know, some things have been sort of on the table. They weren't right for their time. And, you know, we've sort of stayed true to who we are and what we want this podcast to be. And I know for me personally, 20 episodes in is when, like, started talking to MSG because they somehow saw the podcast and wanted to bring us in and do stuff. Um, Dexter was uh, caught up in his old job at the time, so his availability uh-huh. was a little bit different. Uh, but for me, you know, like, ended up appearing on MSG during that 2019 year after basically some test runs in 2018. And it was all due to the podcast. The first time I was there, the first time I did a show on there, you'll see it. My lower third is Brian Fonseca, co-host of the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast. It doesn't say some of the other places I was writing at, Nets Daily, BQE Media. It says the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast, which is important because some of these companies, not them in particular, but some of these other companies have uh, a distinct power that they want to leverage over you and have their name everywhere and make sure that you're representing them when they're not really... Um, compensating you in a certain way or treating you appropriately enough to do so and yeah doing this podcast has been therapeutic in a lot of ways even though sometimes we come in and it's like it's a lot of work you know what i mean it's a lot of work to do this on your own dexter doing the editing me doing the social media and the post-production and planning and getting guests and guests you know uh calling out last minute, which I'm sure happens to every podcast, and then we have to reschedule and guess forgetting and those kind of things. And a lot of our guests have been great, but like these are some of the things that just ha- sort of happen behind the scenes. To have in four years, 192 episodes, I mean, look, you're, you're talking about, if my math is correct, 48 episodes a year, if I'm being correct there. Yeah, I believe that's exactly right. So you're talking about an average of 48 episodes a year plus bonus content, plus all the other stuff that we do separately on top of this. Like, yeah, it's about time to sort of get a more recognition where we deserve it, I feel like. <laughs> and I know that, um, you know, shout out to our fans who have been riding with us throughout the entire time because we still have some plenty of listeners who have been listening the entire way since day one through now. And they've sort of seen the evolution from both of us working at St. Francis to Dexter going to AccuWeather and to me doing more stuff with Nets Daily and MSG, uh, to Dexter doing a bunch more outside of that, and to me fucking becoming an author last year, right? And we're about to drop the Hidalgo Heights ebook in a couple of days. Um, I'm hoping that Dexter gets to finish that book sometime soon because there's a specific character in there that he's going to get to know that I'm curious to see his thoughts wait, on. Wait, wait, wait do, do, do I not know this? Is a character based on me? This I hope how, not. This is how you could tell. This, loosely based this, on me? This is how I could tell. You haven't gotten like that that far into I haven't it got, yet? I, I, I'm only uh, three and a half chapters in. I have not gotten that far. And yeah, okay. I, there's, so I, so I, there's, a character, there's a character in there that once you come across it, I think you're gonna laugh. But uh, yeah. All right, this is gonna be interesting. Three and, I, and a half, three and a half chapters, though. I'm, I hope you like it so far. Yeah, I'm, I'm but, three and a half chapters but, in. Go ahead. And yeah. Just to, and just to wrap up what I was saying, like, yeah, you you guys have seen the evolution of like both of us throughout this time. So I mean, look, there's gonna be more to come because I feel like every single year Dexter and I get to do this, and we look back on the previous year that was. It's like a lot changed. Um, and you, and generally for the better, you know what I mean? Generally make it out better on the other side. And during a pandemic, those, those are important personal things for people to recognize is that, yeah, like a lot of the things you endure, make you stronger, but also you just come out better for it because you encounter a lot of learning experiences along the way. This podcast has been a learning experience, but it's also been productive. Like I owe pretty much everything on my resume from 2017 on to this podcast. And that's one of the reasons why we continue to do it because it's worked out well for both of us. And uh, we hope to see a more uh, financial backing for it at some point so that we can continue to push this to a whole nother level. Let's get that money. <laughs> Let's get that money. But no, right. but no, seriously, you talked about the growth and the growth, you know, for people who've been rocking with this podcast, uh, friends, family, others who've listened, uh, followed along and supported. 
the one thing that you've seen if you've watched this podcast is the evolution, you know, where we started out recording where we worked before and then we were in a podcast studio and we probably still would have been there if not for the pandemic. But now we've been able to do this remotely and you've seen us uh, switch up our our setup. And I always think every year I like to thank the people that helped along the way and also currently helping now. So we have to thank, you know, our original producer, Matthew Feniza, Luis Velez, uh, who I just showed, saw the other day. Shout out to my man, Luis. Um, uh, everybody, Maddie P, everybody you helped behind the scenes. And now Greg, who's been rocking with us and producing this podcast, as well as NBA Exchange with me, uh, stepping his skills up and everything that he does. So, you know, we have to thank, because without those people, we, we don't do any of this. And my whole thing, I've said this before. I said this when I was on um, Brian's show, Side Hustle, which people should check out if they haven't seen you know, for me as a content creator and founder, owner of Backpack Broadcasting, the best thing for me that I always feel is, and this is also in doing this podcast, is, you know, seeing other people get opportunities to shine, seeing people, other people have opportunities to take what they've done on this platform and showcase their editing skills, their on-camera skills, whatever it may be, their guest appearance, whatever it may be, to give other people, particularly people of color, uh, men and women of color, opportunities to do that that makes me happy so you know hopefully we've done that with this podcast you see two people of color hosting this podcast we've had a lot of guests men and women of color on this podcast that's important we have to continue to keep creating keep building platforms and voices for us and uh continue to support that that's another thing i was talking to a friend about this morning we got to continue to support that so that's what we're going to continue to do and we plan to continue to create great things here at the ain't hard to tell podcast four years of the podcast and uh you know people wanted four years of another guy last year we didn't get that but you should get four more years of the ain't hard to tell podcast Women's boxing. Puerto Rico. So, Brian, last week was September 11th. A lot of talk uh, around that uh, and the tragedy was for many people on that day. But, you know, when I think of that day, 20th anniversary of that. But with that day and the tragedy, it's also the 20th anniversary of a classic hip hop album. And I remember where I was on September 11th exactly at that time and still bought the album on that day. That is obviously Jay-Z's The Blueprint. I shouldn't say obviously, because there's a bunch of albums that actually came out that day um, that people also really, really loved. I believe it fabulous. was. Um, yeah, Fabulous came out that day. There was a couple things that came out that day. I can't, that I don't, I'm thinking about the Mariah, Mariah Carey had an album that dropped that day. If I remember correctly, I think it was a Glitter album, which was not really good, but that dropped that day. And yeah, but Jay dropped The Blueprint. This was highly anticipated. I remember as everything was going on in the world at college, they canceled my classes at the University of Pittsburgh that September morning. And um, I was with, I was kicking it with somebody that morning, kind of watching everything going down. And I went to lunch. I remember, oh, shit, I still need to go get the blueprint. And I ran to, yes, this is back when you're still buying physical media. I went to a Sam Goody. Young people listening to this probably don't even know what that story is. I went to a Sam Goody, <laughs> purchased the CD. Purchased the CD, and crazy enough, because of everything that was going on, a lot of older heads will remember this. The blueprint had leaked a little bit. There were some leaks with it that the early, that summer, late that summer, and so some songs had leaked off of it, which I pretty much stayed away from. Um, and then I, I, I bought it, and I did not listen to it for two days. So I had the blueprint, and I did not play it till September 13th, because. 
there just was no time to listen to music. Like everybody was glued to the TV set with what was going on in the world and you know what happened with the with the attacks. So everybody was glued, glued to that. And I always thought at that time, I remember when I did listen to us September 13th, right? I was like, man, you know, I was like, wow, this, this album's fantastic. Like this was right there at the time. You're like, man, this is right with reasonable doubt or better. And I just was like, man, are people gonna like forget how great this album is? I remember I was concerned about that because of everything that was going on. It almost wasn't getting the great attention that I felt that it, it deserved, and deservedly so. There was bigger things going on in the world than a Jay-Z album. I completely understand that. But I was concerned about where it would uh, have its legacy left in hip-hop. And obviously, that has not been the case. This is an uh, album people talk about as one of the greats. Uh, many people argue Jay-Z's best album, if not his second best album. Um, Brian, you were much younger at this time. I believe you were seven years old, if I'm not mistaken, Yeah, uh, which is ridiculous. You were seven and I was starting college. Um, that's kind of ridiculous. So part of me is like, you don't have the same relationship with the blueprint that I have, and that's fine. It's a different relationship because you were seven years old, and I almost assume you were not listening to the blueprint on September 11th when you, you were seven years old, 2001. You'd be surprised at what I was listening to at seven, but I that, can't recall if I listened to the me. blueprint that day. <laughs> that concerns. I can't recall if I listened to it that day. Um, I do remember that day, interestingly enough. To, I mean, the, not completely vividly, but there are a couple of things that I do remember because, like, the story that a lot of people my age or around my age sort of tell is that, like, we remember getting pulled out of school very early, getting sent home. Um, because of everything that had happened, obviously, with the World Trade Center. And I don't remember how early it was, but I was in second grade when all this was going down. And because it was September 11th, it was one of the first days of second grade, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And I remember my brother also worked there. He was late that day, and he never is. And there's obviously a reason for that. You know what I mean? So I remember when he got home and his hair was like had dust on it. Uh, so he wait. Your brother worked at, at the World Trade Center. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was not aware of that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, right, right around those floors too, like up, like high up, but um, probably in the eighties or something like that, eighty four, eighty five, something like that. I remember him and I talked about this a while ago, but yeah, and I remember when he got back and it was crazy because like you know again like he was somebody who was never late to work. But obviously, you know, once the first tower got hit, uh, a lot of people were late because, you know, trains had stalled and things of that nature because obviously it was a major event. So he had figured it out. I also think he even walked back home all the way from uh, from uh, the World Trade Center because things were, you know, the way they were. So you're talking about from there to Ridgewood. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's a long-ass walk. But it was a crazy day. When I finally got to the blueprint, I don't really remember what that was, but I know this. My brother's favorite artist of all time is Jay-Z. So I heard it very quickly and not long after. But in terms of like gaining an understanding and a real appreciation for it to the level I should have, because realistically, I mean, you're not going to do that at seven. So that came later on. Right. And I will say like one time that I do remember really going back to it and really sitting down and trying to dissect it as much as I could, which probably when I was 15, because the Blueprint 3 had come out, and I hated the Blueprint 3. I still don't like the Blueprint 3. It's my least oh, favorite. I actually like the Blueprint It's 3. probably my least favorite Jay-Z album. Least favorite? It's probably there's my an, least favorite. I don't think it's his worst. It's one of his worst, absolutely. It's one of his worst. But um, it's just to me personally. So then I went back and listened to the first Blueprint again with different ears. Greg, I don't care about A Star Is Born. I actually don't like that song at all. That chorus is fucking annoying. I don't, I don't like that song. What? Uh, <laughs> what? So, what? what's it called? So, basically, Blueprint, Yes, yes went, Greg, the Jeezy song is fire. I agree. I went back and listened to, Greg is just texting us in our group chat, um, pod listeners, but, yeah, I go back to it and I pull up the track list right now, like The Ruler's Back, which actually he put in 2K on one of those soundtracks that he curated not that long ago. So I was happy to see that. When I was little, I thought Just Blaze had produced that. It was only until like five or so years ago that I learned that Big produced Thanks. it, which 
which you know that was a little surprising to me because it sounds like this is just blaze beat um takeover you already know we've talked about that on this podcast um however you feel about who had the better diss track between the two that's probably uh one of the best i don't know 10 or so diss tracks ever made i guess it's just probably not as high ranked as uh, the other one that came out in response to it, but we'll get to that another time. Yes, we'll get um, to that. Ace to the Izzo didn't age well, but look, that's a song that people my ages love when it came out. All right. Well, like, that's, <laughs> that's, that's interesting. That's interesting you say that because I played the album the other day and I was like, yo, it's this still slaps. You know, this still, I like H of Izzo. I don't, like, who does that not age well from? The ABC Jackson 5 sample is fantastic by Kanye. I, I like that song. I have no problem with that. I think people, because commercial commercial music, commercial hip-hop is a little different, or a lot different now. I like that song. So I think people will hear it and be like, eh, you know, but when that, I remember when that song came out, that was one of the songs, like, I knew almost word for word. Yeah, it's the lead young. single. It's the lead single off right. the album. That single, was the, yeah. but, and you real you recognize why it's the lead single. You listen to yeah. it and you're like, oh, this is very kid friendly. And now to go through the rest, girls, girls, girls. Another song I remember. You know what I mean? Because when you're like seven, eight years old, that's when you're getting to the stage of like girls don't appear to be as icky anymore, and you start getting the crushes on on, on other girls <laughs> in second grade and shit. Why am I laughing? So, thinking about seven year old Brian walking around singing this song. Really ridiculous. <laughs> wow. Wow. I was cursing at that age, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Uh, Jigga that N-word. Which, which, to, which to me is the is my least favorite song on the my album. And, and I think it fits out of place. And this is, it, it's, it's not such a, a Trackmaster's beat. It's a Trackmaster's <laughs> beat. And I just don't think it fits with the rest of the production on the album. And I think it's 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 the one misstep on the album. It's not a bad song. There's nothing lyrically bad. It's not that Jay is lyrically bad or the beat's really bad. The beat just doesn't fit. And the hook is lazy. Let's just for, for, yeah. lack, of, for lack of a better term, the hook's <laughs> lazy on that song. So it's it's one, it's like if it's it, it's not, it passes. I'm not going across the room if I'm cleaning the house and playing it to skip it. That's not happening. I'm not doing that at all whatsoever. But it is by far my least favorite song on the album. Now, Brian, where you're about to go next on this album, I'm glad we're going to talk about this. One of my favorites. This and shout this, out to shout out to Robin Lundberg, two time guest of the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast. Yep. This was the song that he used to open with on ESPN Radio. Yes, okay? I remember. I, I don't remember know that. if he remembers. I mean, I don't know if he remembers. I don't know if he knows that I remember that because I would listen to Robin on some mornings when I was up ridiculously early. But he used to open with track six on the Blueprint. You don't know an underrated Jay Z song, in my opinion. I, I um, mean, I, I, I'll tell you this: yeah, you done, I know you haven't been to a produced, Jay produced by Just Blaze. By Just Blaze. Anytime this is played at the Jay concert, the crowd goes crazy. <laughs> I, I mean, it still goes crazy. And what I wanted to say about this, I, we'll get back to the song. This next five song stretch on the album is as good, in my opinion, it is as good as any five song stretch on any hip hop album you will find. Like Jesus. I feel that I feel wow. that confident. Six through ten on the blueprint is as good a stretch of songs as you will find on any hip hop album. There are just fantastic songs here, starting with you don't know. I mean, just that it's clear it's the best part of the album. It's this I would like to tell me who's skipping something from between six and ten. What are you skipping? And if you so, are, what's wrong with you? That's so what let's I want. go through it. Let's go through it. You don't know six produced by Just Blaze. Hola Jovito, uh track seven, produced which, by Timberland. Which let me stop there too. This was not your typical Timbo sound at the time. It's very string heavy. It's very Latin influenced in this, and I love it. And it's good. But when he, the way Timbo plays with the strings on this, Jay on the beat, fantastic. Just I think this is one of Jay's most underrated songs, "Hola Vito. I think that's one of his most underrated songs. I love that song. Such a good vibe. I think it's an underrated Timbaland beat. Fantastic. As you said, production. We just want Just Blaze, Timbaland. I mean, I mean, and, and I mean the theme of the record. I mean, you know that's one of my favorites on this album. Yes. We- fantastic. <laughs> fantastic. Just 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 fantastic. One of my five favorite Jay-Z songs ever next. Um and actually two of my five favorite Jay-Z songs ever are in this five song stretch to your point. Yes. Heart of the City produced by a uh, good Kanye West from back in the day. <laughs> uh Ain't No Love in the Heart of the City and also just one of the best 
one of the best flip samples probably in hip hop history. Um, I I'd, ag I'd agree with that. Absolutely. Uh, never change is next. Which, it, which for me is probably a top three Jay Z song for me. I mm. love Never Change. I love Never Change. I remember when I got this album. I this song was intoxicating to me. I must have played this over and over. That and you don't know. I probably played over and over and over. I mean, Never Change is such a good song. It's a fantastic song for Kanye. Great production again. Kanye Just Blaze. This this is the breakout party for both of these guys on this album. Yep. They had produced for Jay before. They'd been on the Dynasty album previously to this album, but this was their kind of like big breakout in terms of the amount of tracks they had in this album. But yes, Never Change, fantastic song. Fantastic, fantastic song. Track 10, to some, arguably the best song on this album. And uh, the other song that I would probably say is in my Jay-Z top five. I have to make that top five, but this is probably in there. And that's Song Cry, also produced by Just Blaze. It's, it's a fantastic, like, if I'm compiling a top whatever Jay-Z playlist, Song Cry has to be there. In terms of, like, the best songs he's made, Song Cry has to be there for me. This, this is probably... I really think about it. I think there's some J verses that you could say are more introspective. Mm -hmm. But in terms of a song, this is about as introspective as you got from Jay. And I think so brilliantly put together. You know, I think you could talk about Smile on 444. And Jay had some other songs that was really introspective on that album. But this right here, Song Cry, just talking about loss of friendship, loss of love. It was really self-reflective. Uh, talking about how his relationships, how you hurt women, you know, and just putting it into the song. You just felt it in this song. <laughs> he really made the song cry. Um, and it's just a fantastic song, beautiful production. Yeah. So I'm telling you, man, six to 10. Woo. This is heat. This is great, great music, man. Great music. And, and then 11, All I Need, produced by Bink. Yeah. Um, 12. One of the most notable on the album, Renegade, featuring Eminem. Um, look, Renegade was a big song for me back in the day, uh, for me and the homies. And as was the uh, the original version with Royce the Five Nine and Eminem, which I actually prefer. But I will say this, and you know, the Eminem murdered you on your own shit thing that really took off. I'll say this: Eminem easily, obviously, had the better verses. But Jay-Z's verses weren't, like, bad. I think people <laughs> I think people have since realized that. But I remember thinking at the time, like, he didn't get murdered on it in a way that uh, was embarrassing. Like, I could think of a few other examples uh, off the top of my head. But at the same time, for me, it's just, it's a good song. But since I've heard the Royce version, I prefer that version. Huh. But at the same time, like, you don't, you don't not put the Eminem feature, especially in 2001 on this album or anything like that. Renegade's a good-ass song. It's just, oh, I just prefer the original since it came out and I heard it. And oh, I was like, damn, Royce is it, It's a great song. And and is uh, undoubtedly did, Eminem did his thing. Like, Eminem's wordplay, like, it, it, at that time, I remember thinking to myself, listening to this, like, damn, this is the Eminem I always want to hear more of. I'm not sure he's ever tapped back into that since this Renegade verse. Like, it's just very focused into the topic, structured, like he was just just in a in a zone. I, I do feel like Eminem stole the show on the song. One of the things that I think bothered me all the time as a Jay fan is kind of what you brought up, which was like Jay didn't get his due of how good the verses were, particularly the second verse, right? Which is like really good, man. I love that second verse. I had to hustle my back to the wall, ashy knuckles, pockets filled with a lot of length, got a vent, not a scent. Like he was killing it in the pocket he's in. Do not step me. I'm awkward. I box lefty. And often my pops left me. And often my mama wasn't home. Like, yo, him just going into, like, tapping into that introspection again was just so dope on this song. Both him and Eminem. And they got really personal in the song. I thought the rapping was top-notch, high-level. Um, I've never really liked that. I think people have really not appreciated how good Jay's verses are in here. Actually, I think it's really underrated, but it's a fantastic song. Like, and actually, Eminem produced the track. People should be should be noted of that yeah. if they do not know that as well too. So Eminem produced track, really good production, great verses, just fantastic song. Yeah. And then to wrap it up, uh, track thirteen, Blueprint, 
Mama Loves Me, produced by Bink, and then the two hidden tracks, Breathe Easy and Girls, Girls, Girls Part 2. So, I have so I have a confession. I, I've said this to other people, so people know this, who know me and are J fans. So this is true. This is the truth. I swear to God, this is true. I have the album for about two or three weeks. And one day, I get home from class, and I get back to my dorm room, and I had a single dorm room, so I had no roommate, thank God. And I wow, I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, so I pop in freshman. I, yeah, pop, I pop in the blueprint, and I'm cleaning up, right? And I'm cleaning my I'm cleaning my dorm room, and I go through the whole album, and Mama loves me. Finish his plan, and I'm doing something like I'm picking up something to put in the trash, and all of a sudden, I hear Jay's voice, and it's like. Yo, you know, it's like an exercise, which people know in the album. That's the intro to Breathe Easy. But I was, like, stunned by it because I did not know there were hidden tracks on the album. So I was just kind of like, what the, what the hell is this? Like, who's this voice? And I was like, oh, shit, I had this album for, like, almost a month, and I did not know there were hidden tracks on the album. So I hadn't heard Breathe when Easy. you could do that. Because right. now you have to list everything, and people will already be able to tell whether something's hidden or not, because they'll be like, oh, this song is 12 minutes long, then there's something right. hidden here. Back then, right. you could just, and even I know this, because I was even buying CDs in high school, because that was around the time right before it completely flipped. But yeah, you could see a track, but like you're able to hide it because it's on a disc. It's not something you click on. It's just different. Just right. Different. I just had no, I had no idea. I had never played the song out through past that, so I just didn't know. Um, at all, at all whatsoever. But go, go ahead, Brian. What are you gonna say? No, that was pretty much it. And and uh, I mean, <laughs> I guess I have one question about your 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 hidden. Like, how did you not get to this point? Like, did you always stop it immediately after track thirteen? Yeah, I had always immediately stopped stopped it after track thirteen, or like went back to another song. Probably was running back to take over, going back to the rulers back. So like, I just never had let it play through because you had to let it play. It was about thirty seconds after the final track, so you had to let it play through for a little bit. And I just had never done that. So once it happened, I was just like, "Oh shit!" Like we have more songs here, and those bonus tracks are pretty dope. So that's it. Just never happened. I mean, look, for for me, this is a top three Jay-Z album. I feel like it is for most people. A lot of people will put it at number one. Um, my favorite Jay-Z album is still the Black Album. I don't, I don't, I hesitate to say that that's better than the Blueprint one. And then Reasonable Doubt will be the other one in my top three. And that order, um, that order is not as solidified as I have it for other artists where I could definitively say, like, for Nas, number one for me is always going to be Omatic. At this point, life is good. It's going to remain number two. Still Matic after that. And then the rest, you know, we could fight about. But for Jay-Z, I feel like it's a little less clear-cut. I'm not saying that that's better or worse. Mm -hmm. Like, it doesn't necessarily matter. I know that for me personally, my preference is the Black Album. But, I mean, this is right up there. And I know that, like, as far as the albums that came out that year, a lot of people would say this is probably the best album that came out that year, if not one of. And I think that's something to be said, because having the best album for a year is not something that people do every single time. It was that that year. It was still Matic. I think I think Outkast may have, may have had uh, something that year. If I'm not mistaken, I'd have to pull that up. But yeah, I mean, look, salute to Jay-Z, because this is an album definitely worth... Uh, worth of celebrating 20 years after its anniversary and to think that it still went gold or platinum or whatever it was in a week and you know beyond that very quickly after uh -huh. the events of 9-11 which is insane i mean to, to just to be fair to be honest about that with everything that was going on at that time that album kind of got me through what was going on with being in school it was a soundtrack anytime i think of that album I think of walking the streets of the University of Pittsburgh, the campus of the University of Pittsburgh, listening to that album. I mean, that album was really the soundtrack to me that fall. And then, you know, later on, Stillmatic comes. We'll get to Stillmatic in a couple of months as it's got its 20th anniversary. We're definitely going to talk about that. But I think the one thing I'll note about this before we move on with this album is the sound. This, this, there was kind of a going away in hip hop from sampling. And this really brought sampling back to the forefront in hip hop in terms of soul sampling. A lot of the samples you hear from Kanye and Just Blaze, particularly on this album, 
are just fantastic. Jay-Z just seemed to have locked into a sound. This is an album also that was recorded in two weeks, uh, which is, should be should be of note. He recorded it in two weeks. And I think most of the songs, it's like six of the songs, including I think like Never Change, Harder City was recorded in like one weekend. So this is just a fantastic album. It's one of those that stands the test of time. It's a bona fide classic. Listen to the sound, it still sounds fresh. You still think the samples are great. You really love what was done on this and just listening to it 20 years later. It's one of my favorite albums. I bump it at least a couple times a year. Um, I am always in a personal debate of whether I put this over reasonable doubt. It depends on how I feel. I probably do give the blueprint the edge because I think it's a little tighter and I think sonically fresher, although I love the jazz sounds on reasonable doubt. But this is definitely one of Jay's best albums. No doubt it was the best, to me, it was the best album that year that came out, Bonafide Classic. And just, man, the fact that it's 20 years already that I've been listening to this album, 20 years since 9-11, Brian listened to this album when he was seven years old. Yeah, you know what all this does? Makes me feel old. That's all it does. It makes me feel old, but I appreciate that I've been listening to this album for 20 years because it's one of my favorite albums. Got us and I think a lot of other people through a tough time. Um, tons of quotables. Great moment for hip-hop. Great year for hip hop. Um, so salute to Jay Z, man. Twenty years mm-hmm. blueprint, man. Uh, hopefully, listening to it for another twenty. You know, just like we said, another four. Of this podcast, we'll listen to it for another another twenty. But this is crazy times, B, because we're getting up on these albums. You know, two decades of these of these albums being out, and it's it's starting to get like really crazy when you think about you've been listening to certain pieces of music or certain bodies of work for two decades like yeah that'll make you feel old real quick real quick and i'm looking at i'm looking at the list of other albums that came out that year um because we were talking about this being potentially the album of the year that year um greg put put uh put both of us back on the screen because i want to get dexter's reactions to some of these because he said he felt old uh, when that, <laughs> where he's sort of revisiting his album experience there. Uh, some of the other albums notables that came out in 2001. Missy, so, Addic- uh, so Addictive by Missy Elliott. That's with Get Your Freak On is on that mm-hmm. album. Uh, mm-hmm. Let me see. We got Genesis by Busta Rhymes. I remember album. that. Yeah, which is an album that I actually remember. We have Scorpion by Eve. I bought that album. Yeah, We have an underground classic expansion team by Dilated Peoples. Oh, that's okay. I was a big Dilated Peoples guy in my childhood. Um, so salute to them. We have Iron Flag with Wu Tang Clan. I don't know. That's not that's not the one that I'm thinking of. The one before with W, that's the one with uh with the crazy Nas verse on um on Let, um Let My N Words Live. Yeah, okay, <laughs> yes, yes, I remember that. Yeah, that that if I remember correctly, that Gravel year, Pit, I think, is on Iron Flag, which is one of my absolute favorite Wu Tang songs. That year, the beginning of the year, was not like a, a the, the heat for hip hop really came at the end of the year. You know, you had Fab and Jay on on September 11th. Nas drops later that year. I feel like the heat was more. Oh no, Gravel later Pit's there. on the W. Gravel Pit's on, on the, the w? w. Okay. Wow. Okay. So the W is the Wu Tang album I like more. Iron Flag has uh oh, it has Uzi though, which is. The great Ghostface first. Just, what the fuck, yo? Yo, what the fuck y'all coming for? I love that verse. <laughs> one of the verse. best opening bars in a verse ever. Um, and one more album that came out that year that I feel like uh, is absolutely worth mentioning uh, because, well, two more actually. Uh, Pain is Love by Ja Rule, who's in the news uh-huh. yesterday. And uh, The Great Depression by DMX. Great Depression by DMX was, yeah, I always remember that being, I mean, who, yeah, Great Depression, Who We Be is on that album, right? I remember who hearing we be that. And remember we hearing right that. Here. And we right here. Those are getting and bumped I miss you heavily. That Evans. Yeah, those those are those were getting bumped heavily that that summer. So I definitely remember that. Yep. Well, Brian, thank you for making me feel old. Blueprint, uh, <laughs> Blueprint, twenty years old, unbelievably already. Backpack Broadcasting continues to bring you the best original sports content, but now you can get more of the content you love. For as little as $3 a month, you can get access to bonus content, including behind-the-scenes footage and interviews from the Sports Walk, Sideline Stories, or the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast. All this exclusive content comes via Patreon. There are tiered levels of patronage, and each Backpack Broadcasting patron receives exclusive perks. Your support 
helps Backpack Broadcasting create more of the original content that you love. Visit Backpack Broadcasting's Patreon page and become a patron today. Keeping in the topic of hip-hop, this month already of September 2021 has been, been kind of interesting. A lot of projects have dropped. Some big names have dropped. I don't know how much Brian cared about these big names, or I did, but we've had some interesting albums that have come out, some that we were really excited to listen to. Um, Common just dropped an album uh, last week. Before that, Little Sims dropped an album. Also, the heavy hitters, Drake and Kanye, and their so-called beef going on back and forth. Uh, they each have dropped albums. Keep beefing, please. Yeah, and, and so uh, <laughs> a lot a lot of content, hip-hop content. We've talked about how the year is slow, but then it started to heat up again towards the end. I guess that's always consistent in hip-hop. We talked about this last year, just talked about it in 2001, how that was the case. Um, what have you thought about these projects? First of all, have you listened to all of these projects? I've listened to all the four that are... Or that I just talked about, Little Sims, Common, Kanye, and Drake. Have you listened to all four of these projects? I listen to Little Sims and Common. <laughs> <laughs> that tells you everything you need fair. to know about Brian. I, f- I did not finish the Drake album because I was bored about midway through. So I started the Drake album and I didn't finish it because it's typical with more most of the Drake projects. There, are, you, you already know what you're going to get. You're going to get the few good songs, and then you're going to get the other stuff where he's trying to create the new sound, new wave, or catch the new wave, or whatever. Get the features from the Southern rappers and things of that nature. Um, like, it's, it's pretty predictable. So then at some point, it's like, all right, like, uh, you know, my time is my inventory. So uh, <laughs> I'm just going to move on here. I mean, maybe at some point I'll finish it. And you, you know damn well I didn't start that Kanye shit. I had you give me the review over the phone, which you can share with the people here. Uh, but other than that, listen, I did catch up to some other projects that I want to shout out real quick before we get into these. Uh, I did catch up to some other things that I had missed earlier this year because, you know, it's been a tough summer. But Dave, <laughs> we're all alone in this together. And to our American listeners, Dave, as in Dave from the UK, you may know him mm-hmm. as Modi from Top Boy, uh, not Dave as in Lil Dicky from Hulu. No, yes. and FX. Totally just, different. Just to totally be clear. different people, just to be right. clear. Um, Dexter said that that's one of his favorite albums this year. And for me, that's one of the three or four best albums I've probably heard this year so far. At this point, we're going to be talking about it later on this year in our top 10, I'm pretty sure. Now, because I've caught up to a bunch of things, I have a, I have a, I have a, a top 10. Not an impenetrable one at all, but I have enough to comprise a top 10. Vince Staples came out with a self-titled album that I feel mm-hmm. like is probably his best project since Big Fish Theory. I think this blows FM out of the water, uh, which is an album that I think got a lot of praise, but I didn't think it was one of Vince Staples' strongest efforts necessarily, and it was very short. This album was solid, Vince Staples. Um, and then, what else did I catch up on? Title of the Creator, Call Me If You Get Lost. Woo! And uh, shout out to uh, DJ Drama, who was also uh, all over that. But, yo, Tyler, the creator, I thought this was going to be like uh, not really a rap album or not really a hip hop album. But Tyler, the creator, like he's rapping on here. And Dex, if you haven't heard it, definitely got to get to it. I have not listened to that. I have not listened to that yet. I have to get to it. Um, but Brian mentioned some of the other stuff I'd listened to. Well, Dave, I'd been on from the time it dropped. I, w- I would like to say, for the people that come to the show and listen to us to talk a little hip-hop on here as well, too. Look, man, if you are not listening to some of the rap that's coming out of the UK, you are doing yourself a disservice, okay? Getz also yeah. dropped a good album this year. Yeah, uh, I've listened to the Getz album. Dave's album is fantastic. I'll get to Little Sims in a minute. Um and I also referenced something I had slept on that Brian had talked about a couple of years ago. Um, Dave is fantastic. Little Sims is fantastic. AJ Tracy. Yes, he's got his, good, yeah. No, I have not. Uh, Loyal Connor, somebody I've been rocking with for a couple of years as well, too. Supposedly has a project coming out with Mad Lib. Um, definitely, definitely somebody here. But there's a lot. I feel like there's very high quality rappers coming out of the UK. The Dave project I really like. I love his first his debut project. Um, I think he's one of the most skilled rappers with the great stories to tell that I've listened to probably since Kendrick. Um, I think he's really good at crafting 
these stories and what he does. And I think Little Sims is in that vein too. Um, so yeah, man, there's, there's, there's been some good music that we haven't fully got to talk about recently, but we will definitely talk about more at the end of the year. I'm sure a lot of the stuff Brian's talking about, we'll talk at the end of the year. I also gotta give kudos. I listened to the Vince Staples project. I did like that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually just came across the other day and, and sh- shout out to my man, Matthew Nelson, fr- friend of the podcast. He had put me on to, I didn't realize Fat Joe had dropped something last month, uh, with DJ drama and he actually ended up. Well, it was on streaming platforms, but because of the samples, which I don't know how they thought they were going to get away with this, it got taken down because they sampled some like really popular old school songs, including like Michael Jackson's I Can't Help It and stuff like that. It was just like whatever. So it got released. You can hear it on Dat Piff. I'm forgetting the name of it right now. Oh, shout out to Dat Piff. Shout out to Dat Piff. (laughs) I think it's it's called, it's actually called What Would Big Do 2021. So it's it's like a nine track, short list, an EP. From Fat Joe rapping over a lot of these classic beats. Uh, it's good. Yeah, it. solid. It's good. It's a nice summertime listen. Good vibe. Like it was solid. I was like, okay, if you you know, I like the production. I thought it was good. You know, DJ Drama is all over it, but it was it was good. So um, that's something to check out. Shout out to my man Matthew Nelson for putting me onto that. But back to the stuff that dropped this month. I want to talk about that. Um, so Brian did not listen to. Kanye and he listens to my time. pieces of the train. <laughs> I guess I don't. Well, here, let's speaking of value your time. Let's start with the Kanye. If you value, if you value your time, let me say this. And Brian and I have spoken about this on this podcast. Brian knows how I really feel about this. Look, man, we, I think it's been proven. A lot of classic albums. We just talked about the Blueprint. How many tracks is on the Blueprint? Thirteen tracks. There thirteen are two, and two hidden. Two, yeah. two two hidden tracks, right? But thirteen track album. Nice spot. I forget what the runtime is on the, on the blueprint. Um, I, I, I could pull it up uh, re- really quickly. But um, it's somewhere just under an hour, if I'm not mistaken, right? Kanye West decides to drop his album, Donda. And it is 27 tracks, people. That alone had me like, nah, nah. I don't think it's going to be good. But I decided to listen to it because I haven't listened to a Kanye album in a while. I was like, maybe see. I would say out of the 27 tracks, and the last four tracks in this album are part twos or remixes of other tracks that are on the album. Um, and I would say maybe I enjoyed six to seven tracks on this album. Now, if I'm really being honest with you, the true testament of how much you like an album is your replay value. I haven't gone back and played a single track off that album in the last week and a half. That's just the truth. I haven't done that. I don't plan to do it. There were some good songs. I think Jesus Lord is a good song. The song with Conway and Westside Gun was pretty good. Um, there was a song where he had a Lauren Hill sample from Doo-Wop. That was pretty good. There were some things on this album from Kanye, and then there was some stuff where it's just like, what are you talking about? Or what are you rapping about? There's also this leaked song that now Drake leaked, um, Life of the Party with Andre 3000, who has a fantastic verse. We must talk about that. That I know it's, I know it's not released, but it damn sure is a verse of the year contender which Andre's t- rapping about his late mom and if Kanye's mom saw his mom and just things through his childhood and relating with his mom that I think was really good. Um, so the Kanye album to me was lackluster, not high replay value. I don't think I will be revisiting it. I don't think Kanye's really put together a good album that's worth revisiting since my beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. Um, but the hype is still there. It broke streaming records. People are all hyped for this. I know this disgusts Brian. He does not yeah, care about any stuff, but I thought the album was very lackluster. Now, we get to Drake, which Brian did listen to a bit of. Uh, certified Lover Boy. A lot of hype around this album. So the track list come out, 21 tracks. Same thing. Yep. Not excited about that. Way too long. I think Brian hit the nail on the head. A lot of it was formulaic Drake. A lot of it in a way he will make certain songs, work with certain artists. You kind of know what you're going to get. I think I'm coming to this. I think Brian and I feel a little bit differently on Drake. I think Drake can rap. I think Drake's talented. I think he's made a lot of great hits. There's music of his that I like. I have a Drake playlist. I listen to Drake stuff. I, I, I like Drake. But I'm starting to come to the feeling with Drake. It's like, ah, man, you, you kind of wasted potential, bro. Like, the talent's just kind of wasted. Like, you can rap, you can craft really good albums if you wanted to, but instead you care about just appealing to the masses 
and hitting specific sounds with specific people instead of actually making the best songs or best project. And I think that's what's frustrating to me when I listen to him. It's like, I know you can make better projects than this. And Certified Lover Boy is lukewarm at best, right? I, I think it's a little bit better than probably what Kanye did, but it's lukewarm at best. I, I, there's not much for me to go back to on there at all. So those are the albums that Brian to listen to. Now, Brian, let's bring Brian back up, up here. Brian, you did listen to Common. You did listen to Little Sims. Um, I will. Let's start with Little Sims. I did not listen to The Gray Area until about three weeks ago. I listened to The Gray Area, and I was mad. I didn't listen. I think Brian had this on. Brian, it was on your top. It was in your top five. What year was that? For 2019, I had it number two, I believe. Yeah, number two. I, think I had it number two after Bandana. And boy, I, 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 slept, I slept on that album. I, I, missed, I missed one there. I did not listen to it. And it wasn't that, I don't remember, I think I'd started the album and I just never went back and finished it. And I'd like the first two songs. I just never, for some reason, finished it. But I would listen to it a couple weeks ago and I was like, wow, this is really good. This is absolutely one of the best albums of 2019. Yeah. Brian, was, Brian was right on this. There's no doubt about it. And I've... Talk about replay value. I've gone back and played it several times since Absolutely. then, folks. I still, do, um, I still play a bunch of songs. Still play it. Uh, Little Sims has had an EP between then, which I have not listened to, and then she had her follow-up uh, album, which just came out. Uh, Sometimes I might be an introvert, which I'm going to tell you, people, really good. Definitely one of the albums of the year. EP, by the way, was Drop Six, and that was my EP of the year last year. That so was your EP. Little, last little year. Sims got a couple of shout outs for me the last couple of years. I thought the Little and Sims. And also one of my favorite characters in Top Boy. In Top Boy, she's in Top Boy too. I thought Little Sims' album was really good. I thought it was sonically, I liked what she did. It's a lot of soul samples. It was very refreshing. Uh, not too many features. You get to hear her really rap, very introspective on this album. Um, I think it's time for, for people who don't listen to UK rap. She's definitely one of the best rappers, one of the best female rappers out for sure. I mean, you could either talk about her or Rhapsody in terms of making great music as women in hip-hop. They're really on a high level with what they're doing, and, and I think Little Sims is killing it. And then the Common album, this A Beautiful Revolution Part 2, uh, second part to the album he, he put out last year, I think was a nice continuation off of that. Um, really good. Another feature from Black Thought. PJ, singer, featured all over this album once again. Common's just really in his groove here. Um, I think with conscious socially aware music over great production he's been really in his pocket the last two years and i've liked it um so yeah i don't know how you felt about those two albums we know how you felt about the other two brian but i think the sims and the common really good man made me excited uh about what i've heard in september after the first two hyped albums from bigger artists in my opinion were duds Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I was I, I didn't really have much else to add there because I'm like, look, I, first of all, in terms of the Drake album, I feel like we should say this first. The um, the album cover got a lot of hype, and it's not even the best album cover featuring pregnant women on it because the game <laughs> on an album that I very much liked. Uh, though that was very long. It was an album that I really, I think it's one of Game's best albums. Um, and it featured pregnant women on the cover. Like, in, in person. You know what I mean? It's funny, because I actually, side, as, a, as an aside, I had a conversation with a friend, who's a woman, obviously. And I asked her, like, if the game offered you to do that, would you do that? <laughs> <laughs> what did she say? She said... As long as I'm not one of the ones rolling up weed, because I don't want to sound like an irresponsible, I don't want to look like an irresponsible parent. I can, I can understand and she, that. And she said, you know, depends on how much. I'd prefer not to, but, you know. But there was a price. There everybody was a has price. a price, you know what there I'm saying? Like, <laughs> well, some of us take bad jobs uh, with that price. Anyway, so how it went for me with the, the Common album. We'll start there, because Beautiful Revolution, was that last year? Part that one? was last year. That was last, that was last year. Last, year. Last, last September. We you put that in your top ten. I don't remember if I did, but I, I did. Don't think you did. I did like it, but last year also had a lot of good albums. So that's no, mm -hmm. that's not a slight. Um, PJ, I mean, <laughs> PJ's performance all over this album, as you indicated. I oh, think yeah. I, I think in general with Common though, 
his discography is, I think, a little better than people realize. And now we're at the time where hip hop, and there's a documentary, I think, coming out on this, but or that might be out already. Uh, you know, hip hop hasn't been around for that long. So we're starting to see acts sort of age this way for the first time. Like Nas is about 50, Common is about 50, Jay-Z is a little past 50. And, you know, these are guys that are still doing it. And there are some others to mention as well. But and Black Thought, Black Thought is up there as well. He's around that same sort of stage of his career. Um, and the longevity is impressive, but also when I look at Common's discography in totality, like Resurrection is here, Can I Borrow a Dollar, Like Water for Chocolate, B, B. Yeah, one of my, one of my, that's one of my 10 favorite hip hop albums of all time. So, yeah. And, and Finding Forever, um, which I really, really liked and actually have a physical copy of. Um, and there are a couple, there are some others that have come out since, like The Dreamer to Believer was an album that I thought had some joints on it, including the one with Nas, Ghetto Dreams, which is a, is, has a great Nas verse on it. And that was around the time Life is Good came out. Uh, Nobody's Smiling. I think that had the Vince Staples uh, verse. I did. Yeah. yeah, that had the Vince Staples verse. Kingdom. And Kingdom, yeah, and King, oh, I love Kingdom. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, and this album, I feel like is is I don't know where you'd rank it necessarily, but listen, this common album is really good, and it's another album that we're probably going to talk about later on this year, and then going to Little Sims real quick because you know Dex has to rap soon. The skits didn't really need them like that. I feel yeah, like that was couple, that was my one knock on the album. Yeah, I feel like a couple of them could have been attached to songs, and you know, maybe take out the rest of them and you could still sort of have that in there because it seemed like she really wanted the skits there to send an extra message. I feel like her music did that sufficiently, though. Maybe she felt otherwise. But Lil Sims is great. I think she's the best female rapper on the planet and I think she's female artist on the planet, excuse me. And I think that she's one of the 10 best women. I mean, one of the 10 best artists, period, up there with whoever is in your top 10. Like, she's up there. She's better than Rhapsody right now, Greg. Like Greg put Rhapsody yeah. there. I think she's better than Rhapsody yeah, I, right now. Gray I, I, area is so fucking good. Drop six is so good. And this is this has like I know the skits make it a little bit longer, but the music in here is a lot of it is very, very good, especially the first half. Like it starts off so strong and there's some gems toward the end as well. But yeah, in terms, of the, in terms of the consistency, the body of work, and she was dropping albums before that. It's just that um, the gray area was sort of her coming out party, but she's had joints. Like there was a song, um, I'm forgetting the name of it, but it was featured in I May Destroy You. And uh, that was oh. a song that she had made a couple years prior. Okay, you know I mean? yeah, I remember that. I think I, I that. think you know what song I'm talking about. Yeah. Um but I'm I'm blanking on the name right now. But yeah, Lil Sims is nasty. Like I think she could outrap almost anybody on the planet and she makes songs as good as anybody at this point right now. I, I, I agree. I think if you if you're a fan of Kendrick Lamar, you're gonna probably really like her too. I think there's a lot of influence. Kendrick, in Kendrick, Kendrick is the person that Kendrick was telling her us yeah, about her years yeah, ago. Like years in twenty fifteen. Yeah, she's she, she's 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 nasty. Uh, I mean, she's nasty, and it's it's the song execution why I would take her over Rhapsody right now, too. I'm with you on that. I would see her like, live. I would see her like, live. Yeah, me too. It's not like a, I know I say it's a landslide, and Rhapsody is a close number two, but yeah. Lil Sims' last two albums, man, like, I mean, Rhapsody's last two albums are good, but like, Lil Sims got, got, got it. A gray area, and this is just, the, the gray area is a little better than this one because it's tighter, but like, yeah. this one's really good. The music in it is really good. Um, so I agree with that. So yeah, if you haven't checked it out, some good stuff that's come out this month in September. Check it out in hip hop. Um, hopefully we get some more stuff like a Kendrick album maybe coming soon towards the end of the year. The Sports Walk is back. Watch season three of Backpack Broadcasting's original web series that brings you the opinions of real sports fans. The first two seasons and current season are available now for viewing on the Sports Walk YouTube channel and Facebook page. Check out the 2017 NYC WebFest official selection and see what other sports fans have to say on the hottest issues in sports today. It's easy. Just take the Sports Walk. Before we get out of here, uh, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about Michael K. Williams. Um, 
unfortunately, earlier this month, the actor who most people know him uh, for being Omar in The Wire passed away. Uh, he battled, uh, you know, addiction with drugs for many years. He's spoken up about this, but he's found dead in his Brooklyn apartment. Um, as a, people who are watching this podcast, you will see I, I'm wearing maybe one of the famous quotes that he had playing uh, Omar. You, you come at the king, you best not miss. I'm wearing it on my T-shirt that I'm wearing today. And, yeah, it, for me, this this was shocking when I got the news. I know it was shocking. Brian saw it. We were texting in a group chat about it. Um, Michael K. Williams from from neighborhood. I'm from East Flatbush, Brooklyn, uh, from the Vanderveer houses. And, you know, I think you think of the wire, you think of him. Omar is a lot of people's favorite character. And Michael K. Williams is a great actor past that. Chalky White on Boardwalk Empire. Montrose uh, recently in um, uh, the, the, the name of the show was escaping me. Lovecraft Country, sorry. Oh, yeah. From, la from last, Which last year. Which he got an award nomination for. Nomination for. Yeah, so... Um, fantastic actor. Uh, I do not think of The Wire without him. So many great scenes in The Wire from this guy. Uh, so many great quotables. Um, so much of the passion uh, that he wrote about. Alan Sappenwall, who wrote um, All the Pieces Matter Around The Wire, he wrote a nice piece on him. I'm forgetting what publication that was in. And David Simon wrote something about him in uh, New York Times, which I've yet to read, um, but I've heard is really mm. good uh, by a lot of people. But yeah, you know, I think this really touched a lot of people who were fans of the show, uh, fans of his work uh, overall. Um, you know, a lot of people in the black community, uh, particularly who were fans of his work. So, you know, I just want to say before we close the show, like salute, you know, salute to him for the art that he gave us. We kind of talked about this with Chadwick last year, but, you know, also we never know what people are going through, what they are dealing with, um, the kinds of things they are battling, but, you know, we got to give it up, big it up to him and his art and what he, what he gave to us, especially with that character of Omar with The Wire. And I think it needs to be talked about that prior to that, the character of Omar on television, when The Wire came on the scene in 2002, there was not, no character like him. You've never seen a character like him, a, a gangster black man who's also gay, robbing drug dealers in the streets of Baltimore. There was never anything like that. Um, so salute to Michael Williams, East Flatbush legend. Uh, there will never be another like him. And we, we thank you for what you did and everything you gave us with The Wire and, and all that. I, Brian, I don't know if you have anything to say on that, but I just wanted to salute that man, um, you know, and, and obviously our condolences and, you know, thoughts and everything go out to his family at this time. Um, but, like, uh, grateful for what he gave us in, in the beautiful art form that is The Wire. I'm hearing a lot of uh, potentially the greatest uh, TV character ever conversation going around with him and I think that I mean that's something that you would be able to touch on more than me because you experienced the wire uh, closer to real time than I did mm -hmm. but like I mean look of all the shows that I've seen of all the things that I've watched and yeah the, sh the wire is still one of the first things I've referenced and he's obviously the character that's probably most synonymous with that series and everybody else. Like he's the hero. He's the guy that a lot of people love most. As you, as you mentioned, he's a lot of people's favorite characters. You can see how that touched people in a lot of different ways. Uh, I also want to read that David Simon piece because there was an anecdote that I've read aggregated from somewhere else that he apparently got him to act as Omar little Michael K. Williams. That is one last time after the wire. And there's like a story uh, about all that involving Bunk, Wendell Pierce, uh, too. So, yeah, I want to read the full piece because that was very interesting that I found it there. And I just want to say, like, yo, uh, just people be careful. You know what I mean? Because this was reportedly an accidental overdose, and this came uh, about 24 or so, maybe even a little less than 24 or so hours after um, Fuquan Johnson died, the comedian um, who I think is originally due from New Jersey. But he uh, was out in California, had a cocaine overdose, um, reportedly uh, laced with fentanyl, killed him and two other people, and put another comedian who I follow and I very much enjoy, Kay Quigley, uh, in um, critical condition. And she's since made it out and is recovering. And the weird thing was that I was listening to Joey Diaz's podcast. And Joey Diaz, one of my favorite comedians, Joey Diaz had Kay Quigley on that week. And they had been talking about, like, they talk about everything. Whenever Kay Quigley's on with Joey Diaz, they talk about everything. And she had said, like, 
yeah, like I still kind of do cocaine for like fun every now and then, but not really. Um, and I'm paraphrasing, but she made it seem like she doesn't do it regularly, but like she's down. You know what I mean? And she almost paid the price for that. As she wrote on her Instagram, she, you know, didn't value her life at that moment and, you know, will going forward. So I hope that people could also learn from this. And I hope that because, you know, uh, Michael K. Williams had talked about some of the demons that he's battled over the last few years. So I'm hoping that, like, uh, his family's going to be all right in the aftermath of this. But, you know, he was gone very soon, way too soon at like 54 but he at least uh, was able to live out like a full, a full life to some extent and has made an impact on an immense amount of people that I think are going to carry on his legacy, um, even though he's no longer physically here. So a uh, salute to Michael K. Williams, who is a fantastic actor, not just in The Wire, but in many other projects and um, is one of the one of the signature actors that I think about of the last 20 or so years, truthfully. So, yeah. Yeah. Fantastic actor also did a lot for the community uh, where he's from, was doing a lot of activism work, especially around last year. So, you know, salute to him. Like you said, gone too soon, 54, but he left us with a lot of gems. So, you know, comes to the wire. He was the king. And when it came to acting, he did not miss. That's for sure. That's it for this episode of the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast, episode 192. Four years we have been doing this. We thank everybody again, once again, for their support. Shout out to our producer, Gregory Alcala, for doing everything that he does. We'll be back with a lot to talk about this month. We didn't talk any sports in this episode. We'll definitely talk about that on the next one. So much training to talk camp, about. less than two weeks. Training NBA camp, training less camp. than two weeks. NBA, you know I'm excited. You know I, I feel like it never left, but you know I'm, you know I'm excited about that. Season starts in one month. <laughs> uh, nah, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's crazy. Got to get that. Got to get the lead pass ready. All right, he's Brian Fonseca. I'm Dexter Henry. Until next time, sure. y'all. Peace.